Who is it? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Every story, without exception, points to Christ, right? And that is the focal point of all the Word of God, all the stories. Christ is the focal point. Uh, as one writer would say, as one writer would say, history, history is his story. History is his story, not ours. And all of a story, all of history, all of history from the beginning of time until the consummation of time is moving towards, well, towards that direction of consummation of times, right? But it's moving, all of history is moving in that direction. Do you, do you understand that? Everything, everything that is happening in this world, everything that has happened before, before, before us, from the beginning, Genesis 3.15, from there on out, from the fall of men, all history is moving towards that direction. What direction? The exaltation of Christ, of our Savior. And that is the plan of God. That is the plan of God. Is moving towards that direction. So the point being is that it doesn't matter what happens in our lives. It doesn't matter how grim we see the situation all around us, outside and inside of us. All of history is moving to that direction. Exaltation of Jesus Christ. And I say this, and I say this, my brothers and sisters, because we, 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 tend, to make, um, we tend to make this life all about us. We tend to make this life all about us. It's all about us. Uh, 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 and what I'm trying to tell you is not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about him, right? Uh, 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 it, it's not about our desires, what our wants, our needs. It's never about that. Even in prayer, we tend to make, we tend to make that our, self, our selfish prayers. All we focus on, it's on us, right? And it's not about us. It's never about us. It's about Christ, the exaltation of Christ. And I say prayer because we tend to do that, right? As we come to prayer, what is the first thing that we, me, what I need, what I want, what I don't have, what I, all of that. And if you look in chapter, chapter 6, Ah, the good Lord teaching us how to pray. What do we read? Watch this. Our Father who are in heaven. Next phrase. First three petitions. Who are they for? Right? Hallowed be thy name. May your name be sanctified. May my life be a vehicle of your holiness. Who is it about? It's about Christ, right? May your character outshine in me. What is the next phrase? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. It's about him. It's about his rule. It's about his authority. It's about his sovereignty. In us, over us, and all over. That's God's plan. Next phrase. Thy will be done. You see that? You get that? It's all about him. All prayer is about him. What is the next one? It talks about the provision, right? It's the provision of God. It's the forgiveness of God. It's the protection of God. The other petitions that they become. But all of it, all of prayer is the exaltation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of it. 
So I say that it's very important to keep that in mind, very important to keep that in mind as we go through this, because as we see Daniel, and it's a remarkable story, <clears throat> keep this in mind because that's our hope. That is our hope. You know why? Because we could go through grim times, we could go through terrible times, we could go through dark times, but we have hope. We have hope. He will be exalted. That is God's plan. That is God's problem. And they took my sign from there right there. Because what did it said there before? You guys remember what that sign said? He will be exalted in all the nations. It will happen. And because he will be, he will be exalted, we are going to reign with him. You see why that is our hope? Our hope is in him. And it's going to be okay. Doesn't matter what's happening in our lives. Doesn't matter how we see, because we tend to look out there, right? And we see prices of gas are everything. Everything. It, does, it looks like it's just getting out of hand, right? He's our hope. He's our hope. And as we see, as we're going to look at the book of Daniel, we're going to see that, that it, that's what Daniel had in mind. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about Daniel, and he knew that, and that was his hope. So, the message for today is the theology of hope in the sovereignty of God. The theology of hope in the sovereignty of God. And we're looking at this amazing man. We began last week, right? Pastor Dan began last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's a remarkable man, this guy Daniel, right? And I say man loosely, and I tell you why. Pastor Dan was telling us they took, him, they took them, these kids out of exile. How old were they? They were between the ages of 14 and 15. By the time we get to chapter 2, three years have passed. His training is over, right? The training for the Chaldeans is, is over. So he had to be between 18 and 19 years old. 18 or 19 years old. He was a young man. He was a young man, but what a remarkable man he was. He was, as we saw last week, he was a man that would not compromise. He would not compromise. The techniques that we're using on this, to, all of these kids that were, that were taken to exile, they were using uh, 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 brainwash techniques. They changed their names. They changed their education. They changed the whole thing. And Daniel was okay with everything. Changed my name. You know, his name was, Pastor Dan told us, it was a God, one of their God's names. Daniel said, perfectly fine, no problem. Change my name, change my education. But do you know where he drew the line? Where did he drew the line? When he came to the scripture. He knew the law. And that's why he said, that's where we draw the line. We will not, we will not go there. See, and he was a man of, he knew the law. He knew that he couldn't eat those, uh, those uh, the food that was offered to idols. Couldn't do it. It was against the law. It was the, the wrath of God would come. That, that's what the book of uh, uh, Leviticus and Exodus tells us, right? So he knew that. So he says, this is where we draw the line, what the book says. And that is a good lesson for us. Because that's where we should draw the line, always. 
the scriptures, the word of God, what the word of God says. Not what culture says, not what the government says, not what anybody says, is what God says. You know what drives me a little bit crazy? That sometimes we talk about some issues. We talk about issues that, that, that are, are sinful, like, uh, like uh, homosexuality. We talk about abortion. We talk all about, all, all about those issues. And sometimes even Christians, we get offended. We get offended because we say that it's a sin. And it's sort of like they get offended because we're offending that other person. Right? You guys get that? We get offended because of that. But we don't really care that God gets offended because it is a sinful act. And isn't that interesting that we're more worried about the offense over here than God being offended? It's his word. It's not what we're saying. It's what the word of God says. And that's where we draw the line. Amen? And that's a beautiful lesson. He will not compromise, and we should not compromise. Always we stand firm on the word of God. And Daniel will not, will not uh, compromise, right? He will not, for nothing, he will not compromise. And again, this is a good lesson for us. Uh, and it's a good lesson for us because we live in a time of compromise. Indeed we do. And the thing about it, you know, it's a matter of fact, from the get-go of our lives, from the beginning of our lives, we learned the, 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 we, we learned the art of compromise very, very fast from the beginning, right? All the way through our life, we, get, we, we, we go the way of least resistance. Yes, we do. Of least resistance. We tend to hold a conviction until, gets, until it gets uncomfortable uh, for us or until it gets on the way of our ease. We have a standard as long as it doesn't, it doesn't violate anything or something that we wish to do. We could get by with a little less than our best. If we could get by with a little less of our best, we will do it. That's compromise. If we could cheat a little on biblical principles or, or even of principles that we say that we believe, we'll do that if in many cases, if it accomplishes our goal. <clears throat> My brothers and sisters, and living that way makes it a whole world of compromise. A whole world of compromise. And that is not conviction. That is not conviction. There is a difference between, there is a difference between conviction, be, between holding, holding a belief and conviction. And I'm going to give you a definition of a, a, of a conviction that, uh, that I read of a, a, um, a, an, unknown, an unknown writer. My accent's coming out. <clears throat> From an unknown writer. This is what he writes. I love it. A conviction is nothing more than a belief with boots on. Did you get that? A conviction is nothing more than a belief with boots on. Ready to march, ready to fight, ready to die. Indeed, that is what is a conviction. And that's what the kind of conviction that Daniel had. He was ready to die. Didn't care, right? And that's where, uh, that's what chapter one uh, sets, the, uh, sets us this uh, this. Uh, situation here. Now, as we come to chapter 2 and the verses that we read, 
right? And, and, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, a, 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 it's a lot of verses, it's 40-something verses, so it's a, it's a lot of narrative, so we're going to, we, we're going to go through the narrative of not the King James Version, but the King's motions, King Moses Version, okay? So just, just follow along, just follow along with me, okay? Uh, but it's narrative, so, and, we'll, and, we'll try to, and we'll try to do it fast, right? Uh, and again, I've titled the message, The, the, the Theology of, uh, of Hope. Because that's what the chapter gives us. That's exactly what the chapter gives us. It puts Daniel in his theology, theological context. This, this chapter puts all of the book in its context, theological context. Uh, uh, it, it, gives, uh, it gives the theological framework. And it gives us the theological reason for our hope. Not just, not just Daniel's hope, but for our hope too. For our hope too. The whole book actually stands, stands as a historical reason for hope. Because we see Daniel, Daniel as a picture of, of, of God preserving power, right? God is, is, is he shows his power, power preserving his people there, right? We see God as a God that keeps his covenant, right? God that holds on to his covenant people even in the midst of exile. And that's all we get there in the, in the, in the book of Daniel. Not only does he, he keeps them, uh, uh, even though through the exile, but he rest, he's going to restore them to himself and all of his purposes. And that is exactly what we're going to see. See? Uh, so in a historical perspective, looking at, looking at the book that way, we have hope. We have hope. Right? Why do we have hope? Because it could happen exactly to us that way it happened to Daniel. Because sometimes we tend to think that way, right? Narrative, narrative, uh, how we would say, narrative is normative. Because it happened there, it could happen to us. Not necessarily. Not necessarily, right? Uh, that, that's, not, that's not the way. Uh, and and I'll, I'll give you an example, a couple examples why it's not that way. We see the book of, book of Acts, right? Sometimes people tend to think that because all of the things that the Holy Spirit was doing in the book of, book of Acts, it should happen here. But it's not happening, right? Ananias and Sapphira, Hananiah and Sapphira, help me out, <laughs> Sapphira, happened, right? You know what happened to them, right? But we don't exercise church discipline that way anymore, right? Thank God, that we, thank God that we don't. Not too many people would be here. Not too many people would be here, right? So my point being is that we have to understand this theological base, the, the framework, the, 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 the underpinning of all of this, right, to grasp the reason for our hope. And that's what we want to get to. Uh, um, Daniel's hope. <clears throat> Daniel's hope. Daniel's hope. Uh, is the same foundation of our hope. For Daniel's hope in the historical context, and it happened, it's because God was going to take him out of the exile at one point or the other, right? And that was his hope. And that was his hope. Our hope, and we see it in there too, we see it in the book of Daniel, see? It points to the forward to the consummation of all things and the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that gives, that's why I told you in the beginning, that's what gives us hope. That is our hope. 
And that's the reason for his hope, and it's the reason for, for our hope. Why? Because our, our hope is found in Jesus Christ. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to give you the, the narrative so we could get into the meat of the message. A lot of drama has happened at this point. A lot of drama has happened at this point. Uh, they're taken into the school of, of where, where they're teaching them, right? The three years have passed. Chapter 2 comes in. King Nebuchadnezzar, I like what Pastor called him uh, kindly, King Nebi. So it's, it, it makes it easier for me. We're going to call him King, King Nebi. Uh, King Nebi has a dream. Uh, uh, right? He has a dream. And then the time comes that he's going to need his, his Chaldeans to interpret the dream. Right? So he calls his this wise men. He calls them in. Right? Uh, they know. They, they've, been, they've been doing this for a long time, supposedly. Right? Uh, brings them in. He says, I have a dream. And, he's, he is, and, and it, the Bible doesn't tell us whether he remembered the dream or didn't remember the dream. He just said, go get my man because I want this dream interpreted. Doesn't say if he, maybe he didn't remember. Maybe, you know how we dream sometimes and we remember bits and pieces of a dream? Maybe that's how he was and maybe he just, the thing is that this dream really bothered him. Really bothered him. So he said, I want this dream interpreted. He calls his people, verses uh, 5 and 10 tells us what the Chaldeans say. They say, not only can we not do that, but there is no one that could do that. You're asking for something impossible. Only God can do that. Only God. So the king said to this to them. This is a very bad thing for you. Because if you don't do it, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. Now, brothers and sisters, that was not an idle threat. King Nebi, in those ancient times, for him, that was not an idle threat. You know, sometimes, like, we get angry, or we may get angry at somebody, and they tell them, I'm going to knock your head off. <laughs> that is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. But for King Nebi, literally, that was going to happen. That was going to happen. So they go up in, in, in an uproar, right? They go in an uproar, and he tells them, this is very bad for you because if you don't do it, you're going to get torn limb from limb. Now, uh, 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 it's, it, was a serious, it was a serious threat, and he was serious, but they could not do it. They could not do it. And so we pick up here in Daniel, right, in verse 17, and we pick it up there, and, and, uh, uh, and, and his friends... Uh, <clears throat> so here comes the, 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 the Arioch. He's looking for them now. Ever, the whole place is in uproar. Uh, he goes and tells them, right? Uh, he tells them what is going on. Uh, and we pick it up again here, verse 17. He says, this is what Daniel says to his friends. Then Daniel went to his house. And made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from God, from God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in, the vision, in a vision of the night. Now I want you to notice one thing. It's, it, it's, it's a remarkable thing about this uh, Daniel. 
uh, he was, again, he was a young man, but he was a young man, he was of composure, right? He was, his training is over. Just finished his training, right? Just finished his training. And now this thing comes, and, and, and Aria comes, and he's collecting these people, and he says, wait a minute, what's going on? Aria tells him what is going on, and he says, yeah, hold up your horses. Hold on, Let, tell me what's going on. Cool, calm, and collective, right? And, and composure, because I, I, I was, as I was reading that, you, know, you always have to put yourself in the story. And I was thinking, how would I react if they're saying, we are collecting all of you, and you're going to get torn limb by limb? Do you know what I would have said? Hazariah, Mishael, Hananiah, we got to make a run for it. <laughs> we don't know how far we're going to get, but we got to make a run for it. We cannot stay here, right? But no. Cool, calm, and collective. His life was on the line, right? But he never panicked. But you know why he never panicked? Why? He had this amazing confidence in God. He knew his destiny rested in, in God's sovereign will. He knew that. He knew that. And knowing that just kept him calm. His confidence was in God. Uh, since his confidence was in God, so he immediately he went to seek communion with God, right? And that's where, that's where he drew his confidence from, from seeking God. And the interesting thing, too, is that he knew he had the, the, he, he knew he had the, 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 the gift of dreams and visions, right? Because that's what tells us in chapter 1. Chapter 1 tells us that he knew he had the, uh, the, that, that gift, right? So he, he could have said, no worries, Ariad, no worries. I have the gift. I have the gift. Just take me to the king. We'll do it. But he didn't do that, right? He didn't do that. What was the thing he did? He saw God in prayer. Because it doesn't matter what our gift is. It doesn't matter how, how much of uh, abilities or, or how much we value our competence. It's in our knees. The only way to get to the mercy of God. Period. Period. Right? Well, they went to pray. And the beauty of it is God answered them. Uh, and, and the interesting thing about this is that we don't see the prayer. We don't see the prayer meeting, right? We don't see that, that he calls them and let, let's, let's go pray and they're, and, they're, and they're in the prayer meeting. We don't see the prayer meeting, but what we do see is the praise. And that's the beauty, the praise. And those are the verses that, that, that we read, um, verses, verses 20 to 23, see? And verse 23 says, to you, <clears throat> to you, God of my fathers, now, did you get that? To you, O God of my fathers. Uh, who were the forefathers? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Where do you think Daniel's mind went to? Genesis chapter 41. Joseph interpreting the, the, the dream for Pharaoh. He had to go there. 
He had to go there. So that's why he's the praise, the, the God of my fathers, right? In uh, verse 20, continues, in verse 23, I give thanks and praise for you, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what, is we, what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Isn't that great? And then, then verses 24 says, Therefore Daniel went to Ariok, who the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He was serious. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste, in a hurry, and said, and said thus to him, I have found, he didn't find Actually, Daniel found Ariok, but said, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? See? And what, did this, what does the king say to, to, uh, to, uh, to Daniel? <clears throat> Are you able? Are you able to make known the, the, the dream to me? Uh, and, and its interpretation. And Daniel answered, absolutely I can. Haven't you heard? I got the gift. I got the gift of dreams and interpretation. Of course I could. He said that. <laughs> he didn't say that. No. He says, verses 27 to 30. <clears throat> Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the kingdom mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. You dream <clears throat> and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. And he goes on to tell him, tell him uh, all what was going to happen there, right? And amen. Now, brothers and sisters, that is our hope. There, there it is. That's the reason for our hope. The theological base, right, if you will, to why we can hope in a God in spite of all our circumstances. And that's what we're going to break down in a minute. That's why we could have hope. That's why we could have hope even in an uncertain future, as we could see now. Because that's all we ask now. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? We have hope in Christ. We have hope in God, regardless of our circumstances. Uh, and that's why we have this book. It gives us here, it gives us four, four reasons, right? Four reasons for our hope. And they're in, the, uh, they're in the praise and they're in the testimony. They intertwine and they overlap, so we're going to take them all. We're going to take them all and we're going we're to break them down, the four, four reasons, how they come together. Number one, and I'm going to give you the four reasons and then we're going to go and we're going to try to go fast. <clears throat> Number one, all wisdom belongs to God. That's number one. Number two, God is sovereign in the affairs of man. Three, man cannot know the mind of God apart from special revelation. And four, God's revelation is an act of mercy. All wisdom belongs to God. God is sovereign in the affairs of man. Man cannot know the mind of God apart from special revelation. And God's revelation is an act of mercy. And that is the foundation. That is the base for our hope. Amen? Amen. And again, that's why we have hope. That's why Daniel has hope. And that's why this book gives us that uh, to all of us, right? The people of God, that, that hope. Well, the first one, the first one, all wisdom belongs to God. All wisdom. 
And that's what we read in verse 20. 20. Let's read it again because it's, it, that's where we're going to draw it out from. This is, this, is, this, is the, uh, this is the praise. Blessed be the name of, verse 20, verse 20 to 23. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. To you, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Do you see that? Now we look at the testimony and we look in verse 28. Verse 28 says this. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And that is the same principle that we just, that we just read. All wisdom belongs to God. All wisdom belongs to God. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that in this series because from books in, in chapter 1 through 6, we're going to see a battle between two wisdoms. Wisdom of man, human wisdom, and the wisdom of God. And we're going to see that throughout this, uh, 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 throughout this, this series. Chapter 1 sets it up, right? Because from the beginning, you see the picture of the, of the food, right? We see the picture of the food. They, we find this, the, the, these young men, and they tell them, you got to eat this food. They say, no. Uh, verses 3 to 4, they, they tell us that. Uh, um, and this is the, 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 the uh, they bring these people, these kids from the Hebrew culture, right? They're bringing them, and, and they take them because it's the best of the Hebrews. The best of the Hebrew culture, they're bringing them in. And... and, and and this is significant because as the Chaldeans taken, are taking them, they're saying, your wisdom is insufficient. We're going to train you. We're going to school you. And the real deal. This is, this, is what, this is what matters right here, right? Our education, our system of, of education, right? They, were, they, they thought of these Jews as lowly lowly Jews, and they were thinking that way of them because of what Pastor uh, 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 Dan said. I was going to call him Pastor Nebby. <laughs> Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan said last week, if, if, if the Hebrew God and the culture and the education would have been the best, they would have not been conquered, but they were conquered. So they, see, they saw themselves as superior. They saw themselves as that they were the, the best in everything. They were the most powerful. Uh, and so they're going to bring these kids, and they're going to give them the best of their educational system they could give them. Beyond whatever they could think, these Hebrew kids, uh, and they were going to produce something good out of them. Out of them, right? So chapter one sets, sets, sets us that, that that picture, and the question comes: the question comes, where does them, where, where does wisdom lie? Who has the best wisdom, right? And we see it in the food. Hebrew kids, they don't want to eat the food, right? And then the, the guy said, "Well, you're going to get me in trouble." No, but don't worry. Composure of Daniel. Don't worry. You know, let's let's do a test, and we could chuck one up for God, right? Because the Bible tells us that they were ten times healthier, red cheek and all. They were healthier, ten times healthier than the, than the Chaldeans, right? So there you see, there you see whose wisdom, whose wisdom is better, right? Uh, <clears throat> because the wisdom of God outshines any time, any place, 
anyhow the wisdom of man. You hear that? It outshines any place, any time, anyhow the wisdom of man. Cannot compare it. Because apart from God, there is no wisdom. Apart from God, there is no wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, and from his mouth, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 9, 10, The fear of God is the, the beginning of wisdom. James, 5, James 1, 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask, and who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God is the source of all wisdom. Now with that said, my brothers and sisters, now, with that said, it's not to say that there's no smart people out there. There's a whole bunch of smart people out there. A whole bunch of smart people out there, right? They don't know God. They just simply don't know God. We could take a drive to, to down south, NASA, right? And we could talk to astrophysicists. We could talk to uh, uh, scientists. We could talk to rocket scientists. And they will make our head spin. They will make, a, they will make us feel like, like we have a peanut for a brain. Because they're so smart. Because they're so smart. They are smart. Have you ever met people like that? You say, man, where do they, where do they fit all of that stuff? But they're, they're super smart. They're super smart. Yet, yet, they're super smart. But yet, if they say in their heart there is no God, they're nothing but educated fools. Nothing but educated fools. Completely lacking in wisdom that really matters. Right? Amen. Amen. And the reason being is that they're so smart that they could be that smart because there's a thing called common grace. Common grace. Have you ever heard of common grace? I'm sure you did. And it's that common grace that, 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 that allows people to learn and to, to conduct themselves in the, successfully, right? Uh, sometimes as Christians we ask, why do the wicked prosper? As uh, psalmist, uh, psalmist would say, why does the wicked prosper? Common grace. That is common grace, right? It, it was common grace that allowed King Nebi to be the king of that nation, the most powerful uh, nation in the world at that time. He had the culture, he had art, he had architecture, food, wine, entertainment, all kinds of things. That was his culture, right? His culture, like our culture, right? It's like ours. <clears throat> he has all these things. Right? And we have those things too. Right? We have all of those things. But you know what? Yet, that, all of that wisdom is based on, on a humanistic foundation. And a man-centered foundation. Man becomes the center of the universe. And because it's that way that man becomes the center of humanistic wisdom, that man becomes the center of the universe, is a house of cards. Eventually, it will come down. It will come down. And it will. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. It will crumble down. True wisdom begins with God. And if you don't, you don't know the wisdom, well, if you don't know the wisdom of God, you're in deep weeds. Deep weeds. <clears throat> you know why? Because if you don't know God, uh, you don't know the purpose of things. Do you get that? If you don't know God, you, know the pur you don't know the purpose of things. As one writer would say, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will ultimately abuse it. If you know the, give a kid, give a three-year-old a hammer and put him in front of you, 
screen TV. He doesn't know the purpose of that thing. He will destroy the TV. Right? Because that is so true. <clears throat> if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will ultimately abuse it. God created the, the world. God created the world. Right? And if you know the purpose, if you don't know the purpose of the world, you will abuse it. God gave you, God gave you, God gave us, well, either, either, either you'll abuse it or you worship it. You get that? Either you abuse it or you worship it. You read Romans 1. How men worship all, they worship themselves, they worship anything and everything that cross because they don't know the purpose of that thing. <clears throat> right? God gives us marriage. If you know, don't know the purpose of marriage, you will abuse it. God gives us family. If you, know the, if you don't know the purpose of a family, you will abuse it. God gives us art. God gives us science. God gives us, gives us literature. God gives us architecture. He gives us all of those things he gives us. But if you don't know the purpose of those things, you will abuse it. You will abuse it. Amen? And the purpose of those things, brothers and sisters, the whole purpose of those things that God has given us is to magnify the wisdom of God, to glorify, to magnify the mercy of God, to magnify the redemptive works of God. That's why he gives us all those things. But since they don't know the purpose of those things, they abuse them. And that's what we see, right? Exactly what we see. God gives us sex. Look at what's happening in, in our society. They don't know the purpose of it. And it's running rampant and it's just a crazy thing out there. Amen? And when that happens, man becomes the center and the focal point of all. Your art, your science, your, your, your music, of everything. All becomes all humanistic. All humanistic center, right? But Daniel reminds us, brothers and sisters, that God is the source of all wisdom. And now the question comes in. This is the question. Why, why does that give us hope? Why would that give us hope? Right? That's where the question comes in. Well, because we know God. Because we know God. We're saying if they don't know God, they don't know the purpose of things. But we know God, right? And that gives us hope. That gives us hope. And I'll tell you why it gives us hope. Because a rocket scientist may know how to get to Mars and, and, and the moon. But we know God and we could get to heaven. He's going to take us to heaven. We're going to get to heaven, not just to Mars or, moon, or, or the moon. He's going to take us to heaven, right? Years ago, I was talking to, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was talking to a, a geologist. They study the rocks years ago. And, and he was trying to tell me that the, the, the earth is billions. And I said, wait a minute, I think it's 6,000 years. I think you got that wrong. Around 6,000 years. And he said, mm, no. And then he started giving me all this thing about rocks, how they're formed, their ages, the ages, the fossil, and all of this thing. Well, he lost me at rocks. <laughs> he lost me at rocks. Because from there on out, I didn't understand absolutely nothing that he was telling me. But you know what? It didn't matter because I know the creator of those rocks. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So that's why it gives us hope. 
Because we know God. We know God. Second, God is sovereign in the affairs of man. God is sovereign in the affairs of man. <clears throat> Verse 21. Verse 21 says, let's read it. Verse 21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up, and, and sets, sets up kings and gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You see that? And then we look at verse 28 again. And verse 28 says, the king... <clears throat> uh, read it right here. God has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Now notice, notice. God made, no, God made known to, the, to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And notice this. Notice this. He didn't say, God gave you a dream so you could make a choice. That's not what he told them. God didn't tell them either, or Daniel didn't tell them. God gave you a dream to show you which way to go so you could make a choice, so you could make a change. Daniel said, God gave you a dream so you would know what's going to happen. And in the, in the, interpretation, in, in, in the interpretation, he tells them the interpretation, verses 36 to 9. We won't, we won't go in there, right? <clears throat> I'll give it to you short. I'll give it to you short. God gave you a dream. This is what the interpretation was, right? No, this is the, 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 not the interpretation, but the dream. Uh, <clears throat> I'll give you the short narrative. God gave you a dream. About you, how you're going to be wiped out, how your kingdom is going to be wiped out, because that's exactly what, what, what the dream was. But he said, no worries, no worries, because that nation that wipes you out is going to be wiped out too. But no problem, because that nation that wipes that nation out, that kingdom out, is going to get wiped out too. But no worries, because the nation that wipes that nation down is going to remain forever. And that kingdom, that kingdom belongs to the king, my king, of that slave that's standing before you. That kingdom will stand forever. Now, do you get that? Do you get why we said what we said in the beginning? That that gives us hope. And the, the overarching story, and that's why Daniel had hope. Daniel was in, he was in chains. He was a slave. But he was not thinking about himself. He was looking towards that way. That was his hope. Amen? That was his hope. <clears throat> now, you know what happens, right? You know what happens. King Nebuchadnezzar repents. No, he did not. <laughs> he rebels. Because immediately, he tells them the dream, he tells them the interpretation, he, right? He tells them the dream, he tells them the interpretation, and immediately, chapter 3 begins with a statue. In the dream, the statue, only the head is of gold of him. Chapter 3, the whole statue is of King Nevi. The whole statue, gold, the whole thing. You know what he was telling God? Basically, he was telling God, you are not going to take me out. You're not going to take me out. I'm not just a part of the statue. I am the statue. And my kingdom is the kingdom that will live forever. That's actually what he was telling him. That's actually what he was telling him. But Daniel was not telling him. 
God is challenging you to see who, if you outlast them, right? That's not what Daniel was telling them. Daniel says, God is showing you what will come to pass. God's sovereign in the affairs of man. Nebuchadnezzar could not prevent the march of history. He could not prevent it, right? He could not prevent the fall of the kingdom. He could not prevent it. He, will, he didn't. Now listen to this. Just as Daniel could not prevent, could not prevent captivity. Did you get that? Did you get that? That God is a sovereign in the affairs of men. King Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be wiped out. Right? Daniel couldn't prevent. And, 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 and King Nebuchadnezzar could not prevent from the, from the happening. Daniel could not prevent captivity. Now watch this. And this is the interesting thing about this remarkable man. Daniel and his friends come and pray, right? They come to pray to God. It says that in verse 17... Then in, 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 in chapter 6, it tells us that, that he was a man of prayer, definitely a man of prayer. Praying three times a day, he was a man of prayer. He prayed, and God answered him. You realize that, right? God, every time Daniel prayed, God answered him, right? So basically, if we take that route, what do we say? This is all about prayer. If we pray, God is going to answer us. God is going to answer us. It's going to be good, Right? Because God answers our prayers. Now, do you ever, do you ever wonder or thought about this? Did you think that Daniel prayed to get out of exile? If you were in his situation, <laughs> we'll be praying six times a day. He was going through tough times. Right? But he did pray. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. I think he did. Did God answer his prayer? Not for two or three generations. Not for two or three generations. And you know what the interesting thing is? God tells him. Well, he didn't tell him, but he did tell him in so many ways. I love you, Daniel. And I hear the heart, the cry of your heart. And I appreciate it but you are going to die a slave. And all the people you know will die a slave. And only the people that are going to come out of there are the children of your children. But you will die a slave. Interesting, right? He was not going to get out of there. And so no matter how fervent the prayers we got to repeat this. Repeat this. No matter how fervent the prayers are, God is sovereign in the affairs of men. And then we ask ourselves, why did God answer this prayer and why God didn't answer the, the, the other prayer? You know why? To give you and me hope. To give you and me hope. Because of members of the family of God, in the midst, my brothers and sisters, in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our situations, whatever they, are, whatever they may be, this gives us hope. This gives us hope. And the hope, and listen to this, the hope is not that you are going to get what you want when you want it. Because Daniel didn't. That is not the hope. 
The hope is not that you be, the, this is the hope. The hope is that you belong to God, the God of the universe, and he's going to be glorified. And our greatest, your greatest desire, my greatest desire is for him to be glorified. Because he is sovereign in the affairs of man. Right? And our greatest desire is going to come to pass whether we see it or not. Did you get that? So it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. He's going to be exalted. And whatever happens in our lives, because sometimes crazy things happen, painful things happen in our lives. Right? But God, Christ will be glorified in all. Isn't that what the word says? That even in death, God, God, God uh, Christ is glorified. Even in death, Christ is glorified. Look at Second uh, Chronicles 26. That's what the Bible tells us. Chronicles. <clears throat> 26. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule all, over all the kingdoms and the nations, and, you hand, and your hand are power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you. You see that? Job 23, 13 says, but he is unchangeable, and who can, who can turn him back? <clears throat> what he desires, he does. Job 42, 2, I know that you could do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Psalm 135, 6 says, <clears throat> whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and earth, and the seas and all the deeps. And in Isaiah, if you want to read this one, Isaiah 43, 13, also, henceforth I am he, there is no one who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who could turn it back? And there's another reference in Isaiah 46, 8 to 10 about this. And if you go back, but if you go back, and this is the beauty, the beauty of this, Chapter 4, chapter 4, verses 35 and 36, we hear it from the horse's mouth. Who is that? King Nabi. From the horse's mouth, chapter 4, the one who rebelled. Chapters 4, 35, 34 and, 30, and 36, and, uh, 34 and 35. <clears throat> it says, at the end of the, the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures for generations to generations. You see that? All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and amongst the, uh, among the inhabitants of the earth. <clears throat> and no one can say to his hand or say to him, what have you done? You see that? God is sovereign in the affairs of man, right? God is sovereign in the affairs of man. Now, we have to say, we have to uh, uh, explain what, the, what that means, the meaning of, because, listen, there's times that we say that we, we know what sovereignty or what sovereign means, but sometimes with our thoughts, with our actions, with our actions and with our mouth, we show that we don't understand what sovereignty means. Sovereign means, <clears throat> or sovereignty is about rule. It's about authority. It means that there's no authority. There is no authority higher than the, the authority of God. 
He is he's in complete control, and he does what he pleases. That's why he's God. He does as he pleases, and that's why he's God. He's sovereign over all things. And the way he exercises that, pro, that, 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 that sovereignty, his sovereignty is through providence, right? So he's, he's sovereign in the affairs of man. <clears throat> and whatever he does, whatever he does is right and just because he is God. Do you get that? Do you get that? Whatever he does, whatever he does is just and right. Now, if we know this, if we know this, this gives us great hope. But if we don't, if we, know this, if we don't know we, the sovereignty of God, we have no hope, my brothers and sisters. We have no hope. If we are those type of people that we're twiddling th- our thumbs and we're wondering if God is going to be able to accomplish those things and has no control, or sometimes we go the other way, that we're complaining all the time about something. We're complaining or we're always asking, why me? Why this? Why this is happening? And that we tend to do that. Why? 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 And sometimes we ask to other people, but the true thing is that we're asking God why. And you know what we're saying? I don't think you know what you're doing. What? What's going on? I don't think you know what you're doing. That's actually what we're saying. Right? And there's a lot of us that sometimes as we go, right, that we go through these uh, situations in our lives that we're, we, 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 we renege to God. And if we don't know, if we don't know, we have no hope. Can you imagine if a tree falls in your house? If a tree falls in your house <clears throat> and you think it's because God I don't know, he was sleeping. If God wasn't paying attention, if God wasn't watching, he was not, because we tend to say sometimes like this, God's not watching over me, God is not protecting me, God is this, we, we tend to say things like that. And if we say that, we have no hope. Uh, <clears throat> you know why? Because if we don't think that the sovereign God of the universe decreed for that tree to fall on your house, where well, we're saying he has no control of what the, where the, the direction of the tree is going to fall. Right? But he does. And if we say that, if we say that, what makes us think that he could take us to heaven? What makes us think that, that he could accomplish what he's going to accomplish, that, that he said is going to be accomplished? If God is hoping against hope, how then the future is going to be unfold? <clears throat> that he says that how it will be unfold. He, it won't. But that's not the way it is, right? The sovereignty of God is what gives us hope. Knowing that God rules, has control all, all, over all things, that gives us hope. And, that, and, and again, because there's times that terrible thing ha- things happen to us. And pe- the people around us, not just us, but this is what we know. This is what we know. We have a good God. We have a good God. Do you know that? We have a good God. And he wants the best for us. He desires the best for us. Even though we don't think that way because we're going through these crazy times in our life. And we say, how can it be that he wants? Why would he let me go through this? No, there is a purpose. And that's why we say that we cannot make this life about us. 
It's about him being exalted. He will be exalted. Even through the things that we go through. So as we look at those things, all we could say is, thank you. Thank you. Right? He can help. Our God can help but to be a good God. <clears throat> and ultimately what he does is for our own good. <clears throat> and we believe that because we, we trust in the sovereignty of God. Right? There's no other way. There is no other way, my brothers and sisters. That is the only way. It was for Daniel. It was for Daniel. Right? For Daniel, it wasn't a theoretical, this wasn't a theoretical thing, what was happening to Daniel. This is a young man that he probably saw, he was taken in chains, and he probably saw some of his, fam some of his family being killed. Right? He's taken at 14, 15 years old. He's taken in chains. He's a slave. He's in the middle of a pagan culture. He's serving a pagan king. He's being trained by a pagan culture. He was despised. He, did, he was not important then at all. He has no, no, he's not free to worship his, his God. This is Daniel's lot in life. Isn't it interesting? This is his lot in life. Yet God uses him in all of his circumstances to give us hope. To give us, to give us hope. See? And this is unbelievable. You know why? Because at 15, 14, and they say they took all the good-looking kids. He was a good-looking man, right? They made him a eunuch. They made him a eunuch. You know what that means? There's no life outside of him. He's done. He's done. He, he will have no family. He will, he will have no family. He will have no children. Nothing. There's no life out of, out of him, out of himself, Right? No wife, no children, no nothing. And yet his story is a story of hope. His story is a story of hope for us. Right? I told you I was going to look at the clock. I'm looking at the clock now. <clears throat> the good thing is that I have next month, next Sunday too, right? So whatever we don't finish here, we will continue next Sunday. And we're going to leave it at this. Next Sunday we will continue. At times we look at this and we, uh, we, uh, we don't get this at times, but, right? And sometimes, uh, as humans, we see people, right? And, and, and sometimes we don't understand people. Um, and people have told me sometimes, oh, you don't know because you, you haven't experienced that. And, and it's, it's, it's somewhat truth, right? Somewhat truth that, that uh, if, we've, if we haven't been through the valley... It's very difficult. It's very difficult to, uh, to talk to someone who has been through the valley, right? Or, or who's going through that valley sometimes, right? And sometimes the people that are going through the valley, that are going through that situation, uh, 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 the last thing they want is to be surrounded by people who've never been through that, who've never been in the valley, or who just don't know, don't have no idea, right? Because that's exactly what we tend to think. This guy doesn't know what I'm talking Right? He doesn't know. But you know what? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they knew because they were in the valley. And they know God is good and God is in control. They knew that. Because God is sovereign in the affairs of man. And they could tell us. They could have told us. 
I am in the valley right now. And they could tell us, but yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your, sta your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? In your worst days, are you able to say that? In your worst days, are you able to say, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Can we say that in our worst day? That's why this story gives us hope. You see that? That's why this story gives us hope. <clears throat> because here Daniel is a slave, a eunuch, no future, not, not going back home. But you know what he's saying? He's smiling. He's grinning ear to ear. You know why? Because he's saying it could be, it could be worse. I'm not dying today. They're not tearing me limb by limb, so it's a good thing. You, did you get that? It could be worse. My brother Ron was telling me the other, last week about his knee, right? And he was telling me, this is the beauty. His knee was bothering him, bothering one knee. And the, he said, but the other one was bothering him too. But thank God, because the one that was bothering him before is not bothering him now. He could still walk. Praise the Lord. You see that? Do you see that? Things could be worse. Things could be worse. So we should always look to heaven and say, thank you. Because it could be worse. So Daniel is grinning ear to ear because he says, we're not dying today. We're not dying today. Amen. And here God has, uh, reminds us, right? All of us, everyone who is sovereign. He is. He's in control. Amen. By your heads. Oh, dear Lord. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for who you are. In spite, in spite of who we are. Such kindness and mercy. Such patience you show for us. And at times we don't deserve it. At times we grumble. We lift our fist to you. Please forgive us for that. And help us to understand that you are a sovereign God. That you have control. That you have total authority. And help us to understand that whatever you're doing is for our own good. That we may see that, Lord. That we may see that. That we may come to know you more. Who you are. And not what we think you are. You're not like us. You're nothing like us. And thank you so much for that. Thank you. Help all of us, Lord. Help all of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.